This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening. Hello again, we do want to welcome you back to Bible Studies with Russ. With me today is our special guest, our co-host uh, joining me today is Brother Zach Hall from the Olathe uh, Kansas Congregation there, and we appreciate him joining us here with us, the Park Street Church of Christ, right? I always yep. say Olathe, but it's Park Street, because there's more than one congregation there. And uh, how long have you been there? You just started there, was it last year? Yeah, yeah, I've been there just, just a little over a year now. So, uh, And Zach is the... Zach is also one of our podcasters. He uh, podcasts uh, for us on Tuesdays with the What Does the Bible Say podcast. And so if you haven't already, uh, be sure to go over there and subscribe to his podcast and give that a listen. Uh, he uh, has been podcasting with us for several years uh, before he ever got to Olathe. Uh, but you'll you'll enjoy his, his podcast and his material, and he does an excellent job with that. And so you don't want to miss that uh, as well. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 3. As, you, as we mentioned in our last uh, episode, we're going to uh, going to be having some guest co-hosts with us uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, when it's just me, which will be oh, here next week or so, we will be getting into the book of Revelation. And I'm sure Zach, um, like most people, is glad that I didn't pull him in on that <laughs> uh, last minute. Hey, let's talk about Revelation. Um, but we're going to be looking at Psalm 3 and and. I don't know about you, but to me, the Psalms are some are some. It's probably the, the most enjoyable book of the Bible for me. Not, not that others are not. Uh, there's so much encouragement there uh, with with David and other things that he endured, uh, and with the other writers that we find in, in the Psalms. Uh, a lot of times we find, I think, a common thread is that there's enemies of the faithful. Uh, if you look at verse one, that's the very first thing he says there uh, in verse uh, verse one and two, when he says, "Lord, how they have increased you trouble me. Many are those, or many are they who rise up against me." Uh, now, Zach, when you think about enemies of the Christian, you know, there's probably a, I think there's a lot of reasons behind this. There's not really a wrong answer, but what are some reasons why you think sometimes Christians uh, are made to be someone's enemy? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of it was really why Jesus was an enemy. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, you can go over there and you can look in John chapter one. And, you know, it describes him as the light and how the world did not recognize the light. They didn't like the light. Well, you think about what light does. Well, it exposes people's sins. It exposes people's secrets. And let's be honest, people don't enjoy that. And so when you look at the Christian and what the Christian is supposed to do, you know, we have the obligation, we have the responsibility, even the command to go out in the world and preach the gospel. And part of doing that is you're going to have to tell someone, hey, you're living in sin. Well, someone that's living in sin, if they don't want to give that particular lifestyle up, whatever that may be, you can become an enemy rather quickly with some people. Yes, most definitely. You know, and not only Christ was, you know, he wasn't, we think about enemies in the Christian, we have to realize that sometimes a Christian has enemies that he's not aware of that he has. And what I mean by that is people look at a Christian and say, well, they're my enemy without that Christian even knowing that they are, quote unquote, your enemy, uh, because of what, because of what they stand for, right? 
And if you look here in verse one, he says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me, which is a reference to his enemies, those who are against him. Many are they who rise up against me. And like Zach was saying, uh, when we stand for the truth and encourage people to, to change and come out of sin, it's not a popular message. And one of the men who I think about many times is Jeremiah. Uh, one of my favorite chapters is Jeremiah 20 where he is literally put into the stocks because of his message, which was from God. He was a prophet, uh, but they hated him. Uh, in fact, there around Jeremiah 20, verses 9 through 12 in that area there, uh, there's a portion there where those who are against him say they're going to take the revenge upon him when all he had done was spoken God's word. And so we find in verses 1 and 2 here, the enemy who are many, uh, says there is no help uh, from God. They say in verse 2, many are they who say of me, there is no help from God. You know, when someone is going through difficult times, what's one of the first things that you ask them to do? Well, you probably ask them to pray, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when we when the Christian prays, they are asking God for help. And God always responds to, uh, responds to the faithful. Now, when you... When you think about how the world views, quote-unquote, help from God, the world sometimes views God responding on their timeline, right? That is, they, they, they think they, sh they should be able to talk to God in whatever way they're thinking of, and that God's going to respond immediately and do whatever it is they think is best, not according to what God you know, is, it says is best. Uh, but, you know, numerous times in the Bible we find where people call out to God or cry out to God, which is a reference to praying to God, and he responds. And it's not always in accordance to what they think is right, but it's always in accordance to God's will. But you think about that phrase, though, there is no help in God and how inaccurate that is. I mean, Zach, how many times have you seen the Bible or maybe some examples of, of those who call out for God and find help from him over and over and over again? Well, I mean, there's several examples uh, of where I find individuals that uh, they either cry out to God or or they rely on God being there that they know God's going to help them. You know, I, I always think of uh, the book of Daniel. I love the book of Daniel. I love uh, the character that Daniel is. But, you know, I think about just a couple of stories uh, that happened just within that book there in Daniel chapter one, when Daniel and his three friends, when they're taken captive and they're uh, put into the care of the eunuchs, they're told that, OK, for the next three years, you're, you're going to have to eat of these delicacies and you're going to have to to uh, take of the king's wine. And Daniel understood that, well, if I eat some of these foods, if I drink this wine, I, I'm going to defile myself before God. And, you know, so he goes to the eunuch. And he says, you know, can we do these things this way so we don't defile ourselves? And there the Bible actually says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. And so the next thing you see Daniel doing, he's praying to God. He's crying out to God, you know, help me get through this. And what does God do? He delivers them. And you see that really throughout the entire book of Daniel. You get over to Daniel chapter two. The same thing happens when Nebuchadnezzar has that dream and he's enraged by his own wise men that they can't tell him what the dream was. And he sends out that decree to kill them all, which would have included Daniel. Well, Daniel cries out to God, you know, don't let this happen. And what does God do? He helps Daniel. Uh, same thing with Daniel chapter three, when you get Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, when they go into the, the fiery furnace. And there's other examples that you could pull. Uh, just from, you know, 
the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. You know, you think about even the New Testament. Uh, how many times do you, you see the apostles, they're praying to God? You know, I think about Paul and Silas on the second missionary journey, right, when they come into Philippi and uh, they get thrown into jail for doing nothing at all, doing God's will, and they're severely beaten. They're put into what would be a dungeon, and what are they able to do at midnight? Well, it says they're praying and singing praises to God. And because of their prayer, because of their singing praises to God, because of their faithfulness, God delivers them. And and to your point, you know, within Scripture, and those are just a three few ones, you could go to multiple places where someone cries out to God and that response is answered. Now, I think one thing to point out is you'll notice that the individuals that are crying out to God, that is getting their prayers answered, they're followers of God. And so you might say, and although this isn't popular, an individual that finds themselves separated from God, they don't have help in God unless they make their lives right with God first. Yeah, that's, that's right. You know, we, we think about, and like you said, there's there's so many examples you can give of those who, who go to God and need any answers. Uh, you know, here on Sunday morning, uh, I just finished looking at some lessons from the book of uh, Numbers. Uh, you know, they're in Numbers, I believe it's chapter 11, uh, where they, they're they complaining. People are complaining. The people of Israel are complaining. Shocker, I know. And they wanted they wanted meat, right? Remember, they're, they're given manna from heaven. They complain, complain, complain. You remember Moses actually in that section goes to God and says that, you know, the burden of the people is too much. If this is how it's going to be, kill me here and now. That's asking God for help. And if you remember in that context, when God responds, I believe he gives, what was it, 70 men uh, who are to help him uh, so he doesn't bear the burden alone. That is a great example of God responding. And like you mentioned there in Daniel, responding over and over and over again. And to your point there with, you know, God hearing our prayers and responding, we have to be uh, not only a Christian, but we also have to ask things to be done in accordance to God's will. Uh, you know, when bad things happen, <laughs> don't don't misunderstand me. When when enemies who come up against me and want to do me harm or do the brethren harm or to speak against me or speak against my family, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to pray that bad things happen to them. But I will pray that God will deal with them. You look at James 4 and verse 3, it says, You ask, you do not receive, because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. And what he's talking about there in context is asking God and praying to God in accordance to his will. They're not praying for things that are actually going to be uh, uh, good and pleasing in God's sight and, and go along with, with biblical principles. He says they ask amiss. And that's why he says there in verse 3 of James 4, you ask and you do not receive. And the reason why? Because they ask with the wrong attitude. And then we look here in, in Psalm 3, uh, he's praying, and we look at verse 3, he says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Uh, so he, his response, uh, now this is a faithful servant of God, his response is that he knows that God is a shield for him. He knows that God is whom he's going to give glory. He also knows that God is the one who upholds him. So it clearly shows faith, clearly shows his dedication to God. Like like you were saying a second ago, Zach, a person being a servant of God, being able to pray and have his prayers heard. Because you look at verse 4, what does he say? I cried to the Lord with my voice, and and uh, he heard me from his holy hill. And I should include that there in verses 
three and four on my notes there. But, uh, you know, he is heard by God. He is heard uh, by, by by the Lord, and the Lord responds there. The Lord uh, is going to answer him, and, but accordance to his will. He says, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me. Hearing there implies he hears and he's responding. And we see this in the next few verses. He heard me from his holy hill, being from his dwelling place. Uh, and what an encouragement it is to know that as Christians, that we can pray to God and know that he hears us. And that's one of the things we find there in verse 4. He knew that God heard him. And Russ, if I could just add something. Yeah. That confidence still applies to us. You know, I think about what John would write in First John chapter 5 and verse 14 when he says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Mm-hmm. So just as David understood that I'm offering this prayer to God and he's going to hear me, that principle is still true for you and I today as a Christian, as a follower of God. If we ask anything now, John does put the stipulation, you know, it has to be according to his will. But God hears those prayers. And, and that is, at least to me, that is such a a comforting verse to know that when I go to my heavenly father in prayer at any time. That God hears me, mm-hmm. you know, in the very next verse there in Psalm three, like you were saying, uh, shows the confidence he had because he prays to God in verse four. The Lord hears him. And then in verse five, what does he say he does? He says, I lie down and slept. I woke with the Lord sustained me. That is a sign of complete faith that God is going to take care of whatever whatever it needs to be needs to be done, how it needs to be handled. He slept, he rested because he had brought those things to God. Which you think about it, you know, in the New Testament, Christ tells us to do exactly the same thing when he says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest and this fits right with that he goes to god he prays to god in verse five he literally is found laying down and sleeping uh because he he knows he has done all that he can do he has brought it to god and he is leaving it there as we say sometimes and he says he knows it's the lord who's sustained him he knows it's the lord who's going to take care of him and and take care of whatever uh those enemies of his are doing um, now, if we look at verse 6 of Psalm 3, he says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set their, who have set themselves against me all around. And so, again, he has prayed to God. He, he finds God has answered him. He finds comfort in verse 5. And in verse 6, he says here that he is not afraid of his enemies, regardless of how many there may be. Uh, which really makes me think about the Apostle Paul. He talks about all the hard things he's done through, he's gone through, the persecutions. He says, yet none of these things move me, which means that none of these things shake my faith in God or shake my confidence in God. Uh, none of these things phase me. They, they don't move him. I mean, look at verse 6. That's the same idea. He says, I'm not afraid of ten thousands of people who upset themselves against me all around. The idea of being surrounded by his enemies, he says, I'm not afraid because God has heard his prayer. You know, that's uh, that's the confidence that a follower of God has that those in the world don't. You know, I, I hearken back to Daniel because, you know, Daniel's a, a book that I, I teach um, with OABS. But, you know, I think about Daniel chapter three there with Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. And you see this confidence that David has, but you see it in them, too. And they're standing before King Nebuchadnezzar uh, facing a, a life or death situation. And if you look there in Daniel chapter three and verse 17, 
Uh, well, let's back up to verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. And so they understand, okay, we're getting ready to go to the fiery furnace. God is with us. He's able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to do what God says. And you, you can see David, uh, when you consider uh, most likely when David is probably writing this psalm is when he's, you know, fleeing from Absalom. And, you know, he, he's got these enemies around him and he says, God, I, I prayed to you. It's in your hands. And even if they do me harm, God, I, I know that you're still with me. Mm -hmm. It's that, like you said, that confidence, that that determined, I'll say as many times, is that determined focused faith you know daniel had it like you mentioned there uh with and with the three men being cast in burning fiery furnace there in the book of daniel uh and, and that that phrase you know basically them saying whatever you do it doesn't matter we're not going to bow down which only enraged that psychotic king even more and then, and then you look at verse seven here going back to psalm three he says arise O lord save me O my god for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone you have broken the teeth of the ungodly and so he speaks of here as of God having already responded. He says, Rise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And he says, For you have, which means he's done this, struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. He had broken the teeth of the ungodly. I picture my mind them being hit so hard that their teeth are rattled loose, that you know their their jawbone is, is dislocated. It's just a massive hit across the face. And that's kind of how it's pictured here with God, with the enemies of the faithful. He comes in, and what's he do? He just smacks them right on the head. Uh, and he says here in verse 7, Arise, O Lord, but he has done. And he says, Save me, O my God. Save him from his enemies. And, and so the power of the Lord is seen over the enemies very clearly here in verse 7. And God is seen as strong, as strong against the enemy of the unfaithful, of the faithful. Uh, you know, again, God doesn't strike um, the enemy, strike the, the cheekbone of someone who uh, is just someone who the who the faithful just simply don't get along with or has a has a disagreement with. These are unfaithful, ungodly people who are coming up against him, and so that's why the Lord has responded. Uh, this isn't just a, a little you know quibble between the two of them. These are unfaithful people, ungodly people who are coming against God's people, the, the faithful, and God is is responding. And then the final verse here, he says here. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And so salvation, that is rescue, being being redeemed, it comes from God. And God blesses those uh, who are his. Now, now, Psalm 3 is only eight verses long. But look how much is said in those eight verses. So much about faithfulness. So much about prayer and the certainty and the, and the uh, rest and the confidence that comes from that. And, and God... Uh, and giving this confidence that he says in verse six will make him where he's not even afraid of 10,000s of people that allows him to sleep in peace and comfort, knowing that God is in control. And you think about applying that today. It's a very good lesson for us to think about as well. Remembering that God is in control with all the craziness that's gone on over the past year and a half with COVID and all those other things that's been going on. We have to remember that God is in control. If he can cry out to God when his enemies come against him, pray to God, and then be finding so much comfort that he just goes and sleeps and wakes up unafraid, we can do the same things uh, as well.
and you know I, I love verse eight the, the really two parts of that verse in my mind you know he talks about that salvation and that rescue you know comes from God and God alone and you know that's one of the things that's able to bring David that confidence is like salvation is going to come from God that redemption is going to come from God but then there at the end it, it adds that phrase blesses those who are his mm-hmm. there is so many untold blessings uh that sometimes people take for granted uh, when you're in Christ. And, you know, that's a good point to Ephesians chapter one and verse three, where it talks about how uh, we are blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, and they are in Christ Jesus. And so uh, by being a follower of God, by being a child of God, we're blessed in ways that those that stand opposed to God, uh, they can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and if we think about, um, like you were saying, the, the blessings that Christian has, it also makes us think about how how much, like you said there in Ephesians 3, uh, Ephesians 1 verse 3, with you know, those spiritual blessings being in Christ, how much the non-Christian misses out on. You know, it's, it's also the psalmist, that, I believe it's the psalmist here, that tells us the way of the uh, the way of the unfaithful is hard. And I'm going to look this up real quick because I didn't, I didn't look this up beforehand. Uh, if you look there, Proverbs, there it is, Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Uh, and I use that actually just this just past week. That's why it's stuck in my head. Um, but it is. The, the way the, uh, the ungodly the world lives, it's a very difficult way. I mean, think about the confusion in the world today. I mean, I went to Walmart this past Maybe that was yesterday. Um, and, you know, I passed a person. He was a guy, clearly a guy, but wearing a dress and arrayed in such a way that he was trying to be a, a female. And, and I think about that, and I think about how, think about this verse, the way of the unfaithful is hard. It truly is. They really have no idea how to live. They are so confused. I don't say that to be arrogant. I'm saying you can't look at their, the way they're living and say that they're okay because they're not. It's <clears throat> and utter, utter, utter madness. And only through God do we find how man ought to live. And when I say man, I mean mankind in general, how we ought to live. And we begin to quickly, as we look at the scripture, make sense of how we ought to live and how we can actually find happiness and contentment in this life. Anything you want to add here before we close? Well, just kind of to your, the statement you were making about, you know, living the the ungodly life is hard. And, you know, you were talking about uh, the confusion. You know, we're blessed as Christians, you know, to have the Bible. And, you know, we can read uh, in our Bible how everything needs to be so there is no confusion. You know, Peter would write um, that we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so anything that I have a question on, it's in this book. And that's why, again, that's another thing that should give us confidence is not only is God on our side, but he's given us his revelation that contains everything that we would ever need to know as far as salvation and things of that nature are concerned. Exactly right. And, you know, not only do we find, you know, what God, how God provides everything for us, but we also find that God wants us to to be happy, successful and blessed people. I mean, he wanted to allow 
give us a path that results in blessings and faithfulness if he doesn't want us to be blessed. He most definitely does. In Psalm 3, it's the same thing. Why didn't he respond the way he did? Because he wants the faithful to be blessed. Okay, I'm going to stop up there today. I do thank Zach for being here with me uh, today here on Bible Studies with Russ. I do, again, want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to subscribe to What Does the Bible Say podcast. You can do so on Podbean and basically anywhere uh, podcasts are found, all of the most popular uh, podcast networks. You can find us there. Just search uh, What Does the Bible Say and you'll find Zach's popping up and be sure to subscribe to that. And as always, we do thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this Bible study. We hope to see you again next time. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.